What's going on, Flames Nation, and welcome to the very first episode of the 2023 edition of this, the A Sea of Red football podcast. I am one half of the co-hosting team, Richie Longshots. I was the gambling guy last year, but I lost too many people money, so they said, hey, we'll throw them up to the front. And I am so lucky to be joined by the Liberty Twitter OG, the man who walked so all the burner accounts can run. He is the founder and owner of A Sea of Red, John Manson. Yo, Richie, what's up, man? Appreciate the uh, shout out. Excited about this. I'm really excited about this season on the podcast with me and you uh, kind of driving the boat, steering the ship, whatever you want to say, all those cool metaphors. But uh, we're looking forward to tonight as we kind of do a season preview on the 2023 Flames. Lots of changes, lots of turnover, new head coach, uh, a lot of stuff to talk about. We also have lots of guests this this evening, uh, several people that follow the Flames, and, and we'll talk a lot of Flames football. And uh, looking forward to it. We'll we'll do this live every Tuesday night at eight thirty, except for October. The month of October will be a little bit different as we uh, have those, uh, you know, weeknight games. We, we if we got a game Tuesday night, we can't have a podcast Tuesday night. But we'll talk about that uh, as we get into the season more. But for now, set your clocks for Tuesday night, eight thirty, streaming live, all your favorite platforms, and. And also will be available in podcast form uh, first thing in the morning. So, uh, Richie, what do, what do you think, man? What, what, what are you excited about the most uh, for the 2023 Flames? There's so much to be excited about. You know, the last 10 months have been an absolute whirlwind from the, the, the bowl game to now. We have a new coach who has brought in a lot of his own guys. We have a new offensive scheme. We have a whole lot of new players coming in from the transfer portal, freshmen coming in. We have a new conference as of July 1st. There is a new uh, kind of the way the schedule is laid out. We're going to have weekday games. There's so many new things. There's so much to be excited about. But me personally, I'm excited about a lot of the players coming in through the transfer portal. The transfer portal has become such a intricate and important part of college football these days. You look at Alabama, they're bringing in players through the transfer portal. Ohio State to compete at quarterback. Auburn bringing in Peyton Thorne. It, it is a huge part of college football. And I know, you know, Coach Chadwell and the rest of the crew did a good job at hitting that portal right away because we had a lot of players leave. And, and, and that is part of college football. There were a lot of people on Twitter that were kind of worried and upset about it. But I think it is part of the nature of the beast of the way the game is now. So I'm excited to see a lot of these new players that we might not know their names yet. And, John, you're the guy. You have boots on the ground. You're in Lynchburg. You're at practices. You're in the know. Tell me about some of these transfer portal players. Who can we expect that's going to be seeing the field uh, in 11 days? I think the game's in 11 days. Who are some of these players that, you know, we saw them get recruited coming in from another school that are going to make an impact for us this season? Yeah, there's a lot. And we'll talk about some of them as the night goes on and as the weeks go on too as well. But a uh, couple couple of ones, I'm really excited about this running back room. Uh, mm -hmm. If you've been reading uh, some of my stuff, with I, I know you have, Richie, but those listening, if you've been reading some of my stuff uh, on acred.com the last few weeks, I, I've been talking a lot about the, the running back room. I hope I'm not building them up too high, but uh, Quentin Cooley is a guy from Wake Forest, a transfer that's going to make an immediate impact. He's going to be ready to go uh, week one. And, and I think he'll end up leading the team in in number of carries throughout the year. I think you'll end up seeing probably five guys get 
decent work at that running back room. If, you know, I've kind of been uh, in fantasy football mode here recently in the NFL. And if I was, you know, doing a fantasy football, college football draft, I would not touch the Liberty uh, offensive backfield. It's kind of like the Philadelphia Eagles this year. They got so many yeah. backs but you don't want one of them on your fantasy team because no. you don't know who's going to get all the work. So, But I think Quentin Cooley's one. Uh, I think Victor Vin's another na name to watch in that room. Uh, he's probably the fastest guy on the team. Uh, he's going to be taking some to the house this year. I'm excited about that. Uh, so, so I'm, But anyways, I could go on and on and on about it, but I, I'm really excited about – um, you, you know, that running back room, some of the new faces there. Vaughn Blue, I know you were asking about transfers, but a uh, true freshman's going to play. He's too good to keep off the field. Uh, so I'm looking forward to see uh, what Vaughn Blue uh, can bring as well as a true freshman. And and it's funny, uh, somebody, I just see the weeknight games should be fun. We'll talk about some of that later as we get into the schedule. But uh, somebody th threw up a comment there about, uh, about Chad and, uh, you know, how he's no longer a, a host here. I think we should at least touch on that, right, Richie? Like, what happened to Chad? Is Did he get fired? That's the, that's the hot question. So Chad right now is behind the scenes. Chad is busy with a, a whole lot of other stuff uh, with Liberty Athletics right now. And he is behind the scenes right now, keeping all the, the guests in check in the green room, making sure we sound and we look uh, halfway decent. So Chad is is here. Chad is not has not gone far. Chad will be at week one at the tailgate. Have no fear. Chad is not gone. Uh, I think it's one of those he, he, he'd rather retire a year too early than a year too late. So uh, Chad's keeping busy. Chad's still involved. But uh, you mentioned the running backs and there's, like you said, five running backs. And I think that's so important because of the way Jamie Chadwell's offense is, you know, there's going to be multiple sets with multiple running backs. So it really is crucial that, that, Injuries do happen in football, especially in a sport like football that we have, you know, we could go three, four, five deep in a game. Uh, so I'm excited about that piece of it for sure. Um, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to jump in there and, and kind of, you know, echo what you're saying is and not just that, but also what this. The, the the way the roster for this offense is i mean we we know about the quarterback you know battle going on throughout camp and and into you know this week and and uh you know when you when you've got multiple quarterbacks you don't really have one quarterback is that how mm -hmm. the saying goes and and what we can talk about that more later on but um you know when you got the question marks at quarterback there's no malik willis back there regardless of who is a starting quarterback we know that it's not malik willis now i think you know, Caden Salter, for example, has the potential to be, I'm not saying he's the next Malik Willis, but he has some great potential. His, the ceiling for him is extremely high. So, but anyways, there's question marks at quarterback, then also receivers. Like we don't really know, like that. that's probably the weakest part of the team. And I hope they prove me wrong. And, and you know, we see a ton out of CJ Daniels, Noah Frith, EJ Smoot, another transfer I didn't mm -hmm. touch on. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think when you couple that in, those weaknesses, those question marks with the, um, the, the strength that I think we'll have in the offensive line and the running game, the running backs, and the way this offense is run, I think you're going to see a lot of two-back sets, maybe more than one-back sets, uh, probably a lot of two tight end sets as well, yep. too. 22 personnel, it's going to be a lot different than what we're used to seeing. You know, Hugh Freeze is known for airing it out, you know, what he did with Malik Willis, what he did with Chad Kelly. And we're going to see a lot of balls thrown to tight ends this year, more so than you know we ever saw before. So uh, I think that was a good kind of overview of the offense for a little bit, and uh, got a good idea. We heard some new names, some some uh, 
you know, potential new players coming in, whether a transfer. Let's take a look at the defense. Take a quick uh, kind of overview. You know, lost some players to the transfer portal, but we're able to keep some of the big names that we're used to hearing. Uh, break that down a little bit for, for, for us, John. Yeah, it's a lot of a lot of new faces, and uh, I've been going through position by position, doing the position previews, and uh, did linebackers today, and and defensive lines coming out here. I forget the, the next day or two, um, but yeah, I think Kendy Charles is the one name we're going to all kind of recognize on the mm-hmm. defensive line. He's the one kind of commodity, known commodity uh, that we uh, that we know that we have in 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 at the defensive line. It's kind of interior guy that'll uh, you know hold up multiple blockers and also make his name known uh, in the backfield on on uh on occasion as well but uh on the outside is gonna be a lot of new faces new names tj bush true freshman he's probably gonna start week one and play a lot which have a true freshman starting much less on an on a line position whether it's offensive line or defensive line is pretty impressive so uh tj bush is one name we, we need to know about but but overall this whole defense is very young Right. They've got a lot of a lot of, you know, first, second, maybe third year guys that are having to take that next step, like a Jerome Jolly at linebacker. He's just a guy who's either third or fourth year in the program, and he's been primarily a special teams player, a reserve linebacker. Uh, he's really been one of the team's best uh, special teams players. And now he's going to step in probably to a starting role at linebacker alongside Tyron Dupree. Um, you know, so a lot of, a lot of that type thing going on across the board on the defense, uh, in the secondary you got Quentin Reese is a guy at safety that's kind of going to lead us, which we'll see him in, in a few minutes here, uh, and, and an ad spot for us. But, um, but yeah, so Quentin Reese is going to kind of lead the way in at safety. Brylin Green's another name, the two sport player plays uh, baseball as well at safety. He's probably pushing for a starting spot. Brandon Bishop, another transfer, uh, from, from Louisiana, uh, there as well too. So it's a lot of new names, new faces. Skylar McGee is now the defensive coordinator, also defensive line coach. Uh, so it's going to be a similar type of defensive system that we saw the last couple of years under coach freeze and the previous defensive staff, but a lot of, a lot of new names and faces and a lot of young faces too. So I think, you know, I, and I think this can be said for the whole team. We just got to give them, uh, you know, time to grow, time mm-hmm. to mature, time to evolve. And I think that the team that we'll see in November will be a lot better and different than the team uh, we will see week one, week two. And that doesn't mean that I think we're going to go out here and, and lose week yeah. one, week two, uh, which, which we can get in that more later as well. But, um, you know, it's going to be a lot of question marks and, and maybe a little bit of a rough go, slow start out of the gate. And I think that's important to, to remember. Not every you know, when a when a college football team gets a new coach, they don't pull a TCU and Sonny Dykes and go to the national championship game. There are growing pains, and we have to temper our expectations. I mean, you know, Hugh Freeze in his first year, Terry Gill in his first year. It is going to take time. But, John, you just mentioned a ton of new faces. We have a new face as well that we're going to be uh, kicking it over to to kind of give it a, a, a breakdown because it's not just football season. Yes, we're going to be talking predominantly about football, but people say we're a field hockey school. And there are uh, soccer games that kicked off. I think the, the girls' soccer team's off to a, a good start this year. So we're going to kick things over to our boy Zeke, who's going to give us a little uh, Around the Flames update. What's up, everybody? It's Zach here with your weekly Liberty Athletics recap. 
Starting off the athletics here strong with Liberty Women's Soccer. The Lady Flames are 2-0, opening the season with a 2-1 victory over Commonwealth rival VCU last Friday. Goals by Rachel Deruby, which is the ninth of her career, and Averly Monteith. Monteith is the first freshman for Liberty Women's Soccer to score in her debut since 2012. The Flames continued their hot streak with a win over Delaware on Sunday, winning in a 1-0 shutout thanks to a goal in the 16th minute by Ivy Gardner. Next up for the Flames is a game against Tennessee Tech. These are the first two wins for the Liberty Athletics program in the Conference USA era. Up next on the docket for Liberty Athletics, Liberty Men's Soccer opens the season this Thursday against St. Peter's. Thankfully, this is not basketball. You want to talk about conference realignment, how about Liberty in the Ohio Valley for men's soccer? That's just crazy. Anyway, the game will be at 7 o'clock in Osborne on ESPN+. Plus. If you can't make the game, at least watch it there. Field Hockey opens their season Friday versus Kent State. Um, that game will also be at home and televised on ESPN+. Plus. Women's Volleyball begins their season Friday. They host Bucknell in the Liberty Open. That tournament will continue into Saturday where they'll face Gardner-Webb and Stony Brook. We are just under two weeks away from the 2023 Liberty football season. Let's keep it going, and as always, go fun. All right, we have our first guest of the season. You have seen her at the sidelines of Liberty football games, Liberty basketball games. She is, as Chad just called her in the chat, EA Sports, Emily Austin, here with us live. Emily, how's your Tuesday night going? I just want you guys to know how much I love Sea of Red because I'm usually in bed right now. So this is just me and my dedication to Sea of Red and my love for y'all because I'm kind of lame and I'm usually in bed and I'm early to the chat, which I wish Matt Warner could see this because I've never been early to <laughs> anything in my career whatsoever. But that's a bragging on me. Maybe, maybe you guys should just do all your stuff at night rather than first thing in the morning. Is that what it is? No, I the thing is, and my argument for always being late is I walk Stanley, who's laying below me right now. He my dog, not my husband. Um he, I walk him at 6.30 and then when I get home, I just like want to fix everything and clean everything. So that's what makes me so late. It's not like I'm like sleeping in until eight o'clock and then running into the office to do everything Flame Central, so. Well, Emily, I think you opened the door. What are you going to do weeknights in October when we are playing football games at seven o'clock? So weird. I, I feel like it's been tough because, you know, a lot of the home games, I'm on the sidelines reporting and I, I'm so pumped that we're in a conference and this is what this program and university needed. But at the same time, I knew that it meant I wouldn't be doing a lot of the sideline games because CBS will be bringing in their crews. Right. So it's kind of like a love hate relationship, but then it's also like, Oh my gosh, I've never had every Saturday free in October. Yeah. I feel like in my entire career. So that's been kind of cool to look forward to, but like, I will be watching, you know, I will be able to stay up late for, for the the um, the games in October on those Tuesday and Thursday nights. It's just weird. But again, it's so good for, for Liberty. And, um, you know, even, even in like the years past where they've like shifted to do these like 
college football games on weeknights, we still have the games on. And I, even if it's teams that I don't care about or I don't know about, I'm still watching so that it, it has to be good for this university to, to have their name out there. Well, Emily, thanks so much for joining us tonight. I don't know if we even gave you a proper introduction. I, I think everybody watching and listening uh, knows who you are, but uh, Emily is a Flame Central podcast host and does some uh, reporting around Liberty and and uh, sideline uh, reporter as well for a lot of the, the football games and basketball games as well, too. But, uh, Emily, you were talking about it there, uh, the uh, the schedule. Uh Looking at the schedule, who are some of the uh, games you're uh, you're you're most excited about, or maybe have your your eyes on as as we get ready to kick off here in just over a week? Well, the first game that I'll report is Saturday, um, September 9th. So I don't know because you guys are at the games, right? So you probably not like have your earpods in listening to our broadcast. But I remember Diego Pavia was signing autographs at Williams Stadium in the middle of the game. I mean. Remember the year that he had last season, it was just, I mean, I think he had like the best like percentages and really every category as far as quarterback goes. So um, he had a great year and you know that he's just coming back with even more fire to, to play against Liberty. So and now that they're, you know, in a conference together. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that game because I'll be reporting it on the sidelines. That'll be my first game of the season. But also, because I'm going to be like, Diego, you know that you were signing autographs. Like, you got to bring it again, even though I don't want to win. But um, so I'm looking forward to that game. Um, and then I think, like, all of us, um, which I'm happy that the game is, what would, what would that be, the eighth game into the season for the Flames? Because hopefully, like, we'll have a quarterback established and, um, you know, this offense will be understood a lot better across the board um, for these for these players. So I'm really looking forward to that Western Kentucky game. I think that these are the top teams in this league. Um, so I don't know how you don't have that circled on on every single schedule if you're a Liberty Flames fan. Yeah, I think I'm already I should put in now that I'm going to be off on Wednesday <laughs> the 25th. Because right. that, that really is – that's a circled game. And I, I do think there are a lot of underrated teams in the conference. You mentioned New Mexico State. That could pave you a ball down. And I remember in the middle of the game last year going, can we get this kid to transfer here? Because he is just an electric quarterback. Like, right. he's going to be like a Baker Mayfield, Johnny Manziel of Conference USA, just extending plays, doing doing a lot. Um, even La Tech, Middle Tennessee, like there are some underrated teams. But that Western Kentucky game is that one that – even their fans, our fans, like that's the one. Uh, it is circled. It's going to have, and it's so cool to say this, conference championship implications. Right. It's going to have home field implications that game. Being the second to last or one of the last uh, conference games of the year, like that's going to be it. And it's just a shame it's not home, but uh, hopefully next year. Wasn't it, and I need to look back, I think it's Sam Houston where they had a bunch of players red shirt and come back. Mm -hmm. Correct me if I'm wrong. So I think that, you know, when you look at their schedule last or look at their record from last season, but listening to them at conference USA is just, it, it's a little scary. And those are the games that you have to be careful about that. Like you go in, you look at their record, you look at their stats from last year has no implication of what this team is and what they're capable. They had all of their like best players. I think it was like 14 to 16 players. This coach got to red shirt because he said, Hey, if you can red shirt, you can come back when we're part of a conference. And yeah, it's, it's just, you gotta like, 
you can't just look at like the standings and everybody has like Western Kentucky and, and Liberty picked. Um, Coach Chadwell has said this week in and week out. Like these play, a lot of these players on this Liberty roster don't know what that means to get like your best effort every single week from from your opponent. And, and I'm not saying that like in the past we haven't seen that from like some of these Power Five, but you're playing for a conference championship. So like this is going to be a whole different level and you're not going to get any sleepers. So I, I think that it'll be interesting to see um, who those sleepers are like from, from what us media people that vote that actually have no idea. <laughs> yeah, and Sam Houston, you're right. They did uh, redshirt a lot of guys last last year. But the two seasons before that, they were something like 21-4 and four and uh, won uh, the FCS National Championship. I think it was the spring 2020 COVID season. So I guess spring 21 is when they won it. Uh, so – you know, they're picked near the bottom of the league, but I don't think that that's very accurate. I don't think there's going to be an easy, easy out any night, kind of like you're alluding to. And uh, I agree with that. And and uh, I think another team is uh, Middle Tennessee. That's a team Liberty played a couple years ago. Uh, that's one they've got their head coach has been around for, what, 20 years or something. <laughs> so uh, they got a lot of continuity. And, uh, you know, if they can figure things out at quarterback, uh, that's another team that – and they come into Williams Stadium this year. I don't know if that's a game you're calling or not, Emily, but uh, that's another team I think we should keep an eye out for as well. What's the date on that? Uh, that's one of the October games. Oh, no, no. I think October is all national, so um, fortunately. Well, what, what's this all about? Well, how many games they got you guys doing oh, this I've year? I've been in CBS's DMs. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> how many games they got you guys calling? Just the Is it the ESPN Plus games? It's um, So right now I think we're guaranteed three, which is the New Mexico State, ODU – and then what's the other one? There's UMass and 11. Yeah. And UMass. So, and I mean, that could change and I can just keep stock the stocking efforts up and <laughs> you never know, but, there you um, go. but you know, that's just like a part of the game. Now they don't um, utilize the sideline reporter as much anymore, which I, I understand and, and stuff. So, um, but if not, then I've been a freelance reporter in my past. So I, I definitely like respect the reason why they do it because those reporters need that those freelance gigs that they're guaranteed. So that's why they get assigned certain games each week. So that's the reasoning behind that. Well, Emily, thanks so much for joining us. We'll let you uh, drop off here and, and get to bed. So you won't be late uh, tomorrow to work and all, and all those things, but thanks so much. And, and Liberty fans be sure. I know you priority do, but be sure to uh, follow Emily on, on all things, social media and, and uh, where else can they uh, uh, watch you and follow you and uh, the team this season? I'm actually really bad at social media, but yes, listen to the Flame Central podcast. I know you guys were talking about, I see a winner of all fantasy football leagues, not only NFL fantasy football winner last year, but um, really cool episode uh, coming out this week on Flame Central. If you don't watch or, or listen to that, it comes out every Friday at three o'clock on ESPN+. Plus. And um, it's on some like local uh, networks, I believe, too. But we did our fantasy, our fourth annual Flames fantasy draft. So it's like the same thing as fantasy football um, in the NFL, but we no quarterbacks. I mean, really, last year we could have done quarterbacks because everyone. (laughs) 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 No quarterbacks, but you get three offensive players, two defensive players. It's the same scoring as fantasy football. Um, so yeah, it's really fun. We like do our teams this week on flame central and we'll do it the upcoming week on the flame central podcast, which 
you can watch on YouTube or um, anywhere you find your podcast on Spotify or Apple. So awesome. Thanks so much, Emily. And I've been uh, catching all you guys podcast. You guys doing a great job. Yeah, I need to start producing that thing. And it's it's off the tracks, but it's fine. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks, Thanks Emily. Emily. Have a good one. So. All right, so that was a great segue. Uh, kind of just wet the beak a little bit talking about Conference USA, and that is probably the biggest story to hit Liberty Athletics, Liberty Football this year. And I love mentioning Sam Houston State because JMU won an FCS national championship. They showed up last year and made some noise. I have no doubt in my mind that Sam Houston is going to do the same thing. I was shocked that they were ranked – uh, 132 in the, the college football power index, because that to me is crazy. Um, thoughts, John? Yeah. You know, we, we put up here on the screen, those of you watching, uh, the, the preseason, uh, ESPN CFP, uh, rankings, and they've got WKU as uh, preseason number one, Liberty number two, which that's pretty much been everywhere. You've seen a uh, preseason rankings, preseason polls, uh, uh, this off season going into the year. So that, that doesn't come as much of a, a surprise and kind of like what we were talking about with Emily is, is I agree is I don't think like you see FIU, New Mexico state, J Jacksonville state, Sam Houston, 129 to 132, which there's only 133 FBS teams. But, uh, I don't think those teams, I, I think they're underrated. I think FIU is a sleeper to be honest. I think FIU is, uh, is a team that, again, I don't think they're going to be contending for a conference championship this year, but I got that game circled already. That's game four for Liberty this year at FIU down in Miami. Uh, that's not going to be an easy game for the Flames. Uh, that's an upset alert game I've got right now for Liberty. But New Mexico State, I mean, we got them week two, and and they're not the 130th best team in the country. Uh, I'm sorry. And, and Jacksonville State, Sam Houston, they, those are traditionally very strong FCS programs. And we saw what JMU did, even though I don't want to talk about JMU much. And let's hope we don't ever have to mention them again this year on the pod. But mm -hmm. uh, uh, we saw what they did last year in their first year in, in the FBS and in the Sun Belt. And, and uh, Jacksonville State and Sam Houston have been just as uh, successful uh, as the Dukes have over the past, you know, decade or so. And, and those of you that have been Liberty fans for any length of time, you'll remember when Liberty and Jacksonville state played that home and home and the flames got embarrassed uh, truthfully uh, in those two games. So um, uh, I, I think CUSA is a sleeper type of, of, uh, of league this year. And uh, is one that these rankings, I think over the course of the year, we'll see them creep up hopefully with some strong uh, non-conference performances. But, but Richie, looking at this list, outside of Liberty and WKU, those are, those are the obvious answers. Who are, who are some teams you would think would be uh, maybe the, the sleepers to, to make a run and, and uh, maybe make an appearance in the CUSA uh, title game here in uh, the end of the season? I know LaTeX has a uh, new quarterback um, brought in from Boise State. And, you know, if that hits, they're, they're an older team. They're going to pop. I just talked about the kid Pavia from New Mexico State. When you have a quarterback like that, you can win any game. You are never out of a game. I see Conference USA. You know, last year the MAC had the uh, weekday on ESPN, and uh, that was all defensive struggles, defensive games. I think the Conference USA is just going to be race to 50s. I think it's going to be offense, offense, offense. And when you get games like that, truly anything 
can happen. Like I said, if LaTeX gets their quarterback, you you mentioned uh, Middle Tennessee, they have a quarterback uh, controversy, so to speak. And, you know, Western Kentucky's sitting there with maybe the best G5 quarterback in the country. So very interesting to see how the, you know, second, third, fourth teams play out going through, you know, not knowing who the quarterback's going to be. Yeah, I'm also uh, interested in UTEP. They're a team here at 124 on on this ranking. Uh, they're my sleeper pick. If uh, Liberty or WKU uh, falters or, or loses a, a game or two that, that we're not expecting, they're the team that I think may uh, sneak up into uh, that, that CUSA title game. Liberty got has to go there to El Paso, which is a, a long trip the last week of the regular season to take on, uh, on the minors. And, and that's a, that's a game that uh, the flames don't want to be sleeping on. And, and uh, it, it could be a game that decides who gets that second spot in the uh, in the CUSA title game. Uh, but but it should be a fun fun season. I'm I'm really looking forward to following some conference races uh, uh, this year for the first time in, in quite a few years. We're gonna get to root against teams. How we have not gotten a chance to root against teams when it comes to playoffs and and championships and stuff like that. So it's gonna be great to just be randomly rooting against Western Kentucky. Uh, the second week in November because we're trying to get home field or we're trying to catch and, and be the number two seed. So I'm super excited about the whole conference play. And we are going to bring in our second guest now. You have seen him on Twitter. Uh, we've both had the opportunity to be on his radio show, uh, Fast Lane with Ed Lane. He is the man. And uh, he's going to join us now to talk about some uh, Liberty football. Good evening, gentlemen. Am I audible right now? We can hear you, Ed, loud and clear. Fast Lane, Ed Lane. What's up, man? How's it going tonight? I'm grand, thank you. And you can regrettably see me unless you're just checking out the A Sea of Red podcast, which resumes this week. Yeah, thanks so much, Ed, for joining us. And and where where some places that uh, you know, Liberty fans can uh, can connect with you if they uh, are unfamiliar, which I don't know how they could be. I mean, you're you're all things Liberty football, all things Lynchburg sports. But uh, where can uh, Liberty fans uh, find you and connect with you? Well, thanks for the platform and the free plugs, gentlemen. Uh, like I shamelessly do on my handle on this video stream, Fast Lane Ed Lane, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're available. I'm not going to ask the uh, home device powered by Amazon uh, to check out the Fast Lane with Ed Lane podcast because if it happens, it might wake the kids up in the other room and <laughs> World War III would break out in my house. So I'm going to avoid that. And then also on from 5 to 6 p.m. on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app or just 93.3 FM if you are cruising around in traffic. We're using air quotes for that in the Hill City. Oh, thank you, Ed. Uh, definitely check his stuff out. I have uh, popped in, listened before, gotten on uh, his radio show to talk about Liberty football. But Ed, you, are, you work for a, a national radio company. Um, not involved, you know, within Liberty Athletics. Give us your thoughts about this season. The last 10 months have been an absolute whirlwind. What are your thoughts? What are your expectations uh, for Liberty going into this season? I could foresee short-term pain, but I also foresee regardless long-term gain. I I've been high on the Jamie Chadwell hire since obviously that news trickled out uh, after Hugh Freeze left, but the <laughs> weeks have been in motion for that 
even beforehand. You can look at the freeze departure and the timeline of that uh, going back to early November and uh, Liberty being prepared for it. And then the way not just the season ended for Liberty, but also for Coastal, it wasn't all that great. Um, but I like I, I like Chadwell. He's a great offensive mind. He knows offense. Uh, but you know, my concern for the short term with this season is just you've got a lot of new parts on offense. Heck, on the whole roster, about 50% of them are newcomers this year, which is a huge amount of attrition even in the transfer portal era. And then on defense, just the volume of guys that defected off of that unit. Um, you know, I was listening to you guys before I, I hopped on, uh, talking about how Conference USA could be very offensive-based. And I think that could be the case with Liberty just fueling that because – Right now, I trust Jamie Chadwell's system. I don't think you'll get the full uh, 93 octane version of it, but I don't think it'll be like 85 unleaded either. I think it'll probably be, you know, a, a closer to you know 87, 89 if you're using the gas octane meter here. But it's it's the reality of trying to implement a new offense is that when you're doing that, you've got so many new pieces to just put in place. So my my thing is is. When you combine trying to get everyone on the same page offensively with a defense in transition, uh, I can see some bumps in the road this year. But over the long haul, I have no doubt that the coaching staff knows what they're doing. And frankly, with that, plus the Flames Rising Collective of Liberties being one of the best in the group of five, the NIL Collective, uh, to me, I think they're probably best positioned out of anybody in this conference long term, but it may not result in a championship this year. And Ed, you mentioned the uh, 50% roster turnover. That's obviously been a big topic of debate for the Flames going into uh, 2023 under Coach Chadwell. As as someone who covers not just Liberty, but also other uh, teams in, in the area, Virginia, Virginia Tech as well, uh, and maybe j just college football in, in general, you know, how common has that become as far as having that much roster turnover in one season? You know, we talked about the transfer portal and, and things like that, but especially with a coaching change. I mean, is Liberty so such an anomaly? I mean, we see the headlines with Colorado and, and primetime, right, and, and how much turnover they had. Uh, but, you know, Liberty wasn't that much further behind uh, what Colorado did. Is, is that something that's becoming a little bit more of the norm uh, across the college football landscape, especially with uh, a coaching change. Oh, I think you hit the nail on the head, John, is the coaching change part is what accelerates so much of this. And I don't for a second doubt that there are other schools out there that are going to look at how Colorado does with their roster turnover. And while I'm skeptical that they get to the three to four win mark, which is where they've been projected according to the sports books, if they exceed that by a lot, I would only expect roster turnover to be a more common theme, not just for new coaches, but frankly, teams that underperform and have current coaching administrations in place because it constantly allows them to hit the reset button on where they go. I don't foresee that being everywhere, but I do think we're in an era where if you're going to talk about the whole pay-for-play model, which has been discussed, whether it's above board with explicit pay-for-play or the implicit in some cases with NIL, the reality is, is these teams are looking at their rosters much more like a professional model. And, and I just revert back to the old Bill Parcells axiom of the bottom third of the roster. And what he always subscribed to was churning over the bottom third of your roster. So you know, I think most programs would probably aim for somewhere in that ballpark where it's just constant turnover and people that are underperforming or too injured too often or 
don't seem to be schematic fits and maybe it was a project that didn't work. I think you'll get that. But to Bill, on your point, John, I mean, with the coaching transitions, well, I think people absolutely are looking at that. And, and Liberties was less the case of just the raw, hey, we're going to run everyone off and replace them with Louis, <laughs> the way that Coach Prime, of course, has done at Colorado. But it's there. And in reality, it's not just the new coaches wanting to bring their guys in, but old play- players from the prior regime are less likely to now all of a sudden feel loyalty to a new coaching staff because they view it as, okay, coaches made their best business decision by leaving. I'll make mine. And if that means leaving as well, even if it's not following the coach, you'll get that too. So I think just all those factors make it harder than ever, especially for a new coach to retain a large portion of the roster. And I, I think we have to be, you know, mindful of the fact that we're you know, Liberty's lost players to big P five programs. And that is going to a hundred percent of the time be something that comes up. And I, I understand the rationale behind it. It stinks, but the better some of these players get the, the Alabamas, the Floridas, the Colorados, the Texas, they're going to come and go, Hey, come play power five football, they know that they're going to get a, a solid player that has played well on Saturdays that they're going to trust over an 18-year-old freshman who was just playing high school ball a year ago. So it, it really kind of like funnels down from the P5 where, you know, they're pulling players from G5 and G5's pulling players that weren't getting a ton of burn at power five. And then the JUCO players, like it's it's a crazy triangle type of system we got going on and it, it's 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 really new for everyone and yeah that's I mean, the big thing oh 100 like i think a lot of it is just the fact that people don't have a real grasp on this especially mm-hmm. i think programs do i mean you're kidding yourself if you don't think that a georgia or an alabama or a usc and i'm just throwing those out there but any school that wants to compete on that level that they're not looking at other rosters and just they're, they're constantly scouting. They're identifying guys off of other rosters that would be uh, ideal targets, if you will, if they if they enter the transfer portal. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And I think for Liberty, and they've done some of this at the start of the Chadwell era, and to Hugh Freeze's credit, he did a really good job of this. They went the other direction. They identified players that had certain issues that pop up, whether it was a lack of playing time or off the field concerns or anything like that. They identified those guys from the power five level and they knew that there was raw talent and they brought them to Liberty and trusted they could coach them up. And I think if you're Liberty and Jamie Chadwell and Liberty's got the resources, not just the NIL side, but the staffing side to to have people on board, go in the opposite direction, figure out who might not be getting playing time at a power five level, but has the raw talent. They just need the right steering and direction and they could come to Liberty and, Frankly, you, much like guys will transfer up and make a raw business decision, you may get guys who transfer down and realize, hey, if I want to get to the league or maximize my potential and have a chance, I've got to turn it on now. And they come to Liberty more focused than ever, and it goes both ways. Absolutely. You know, you think of Malik coming from Auburn to, to coming to Liberty to, to getting drafted. It showed that that model is is possible but ed thank you so much for coming out are we gonna see you week one at the tailgate that's the plan week one go yes you gotta shoot me the information when where for the tailgate so i can uh pop up and make a cameo done say no more you are in there uh we'll get you the information for sure so uh again ed thank you for coming on next up we have a uh feature that is not 
not new. Uh, we had our, our homeboy, B55, uh, and Jason Porter. They're going to be joining us shortly to talk about some of the player stuff. Uh, you know, Brandon's been going through some stuff, uh, both good and bad. And uh, we're excited to hear from him and Jason Porter uh, shortly. What's going on, gentlemen? How we living? What's up? How we doing? We're here. It's Tuesday night. We're, we're so grateful that uh, you're able to join us. Uh, Jason, I'm going to kick things over to you. Uh, what's going on? You've had a, uh, quite a good week. Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been eventful, to say the least. But uh, really excited to uh, pick, up the, pick up the adventure here with uh, Alan York and, uh, and doing the color this season. Really looking forward to doing that and uh, be a whole new perspective. I was used to years and years and years on the field. So uh, being upstairs with the with the bird's eye view is gonna be a lot of fun. Calling some action with him. Hey, Brendan, yes. thanks so much for joining us again, man. We're excited. Uh, live with five five segments become a Flames podcast. I see a red podcast uh, uh, staple. So uh, tough start to training camp for you. You know, getting to that injury, but uh, you're you're such a trooper. We appreciate you coming on, man. How's uh how's camp been going? Other than uh, that news. Yeah, first off, I just want to thank you guys for the opportunity to talk about the boys. And uh, second off, you know, practice number three went down with a knee injury, going to be out for a while. But um, team got better every single day. We finished up camp on Saturday or Friday, had the Flames Fest. And then uh, now we're starting to get into Bowling Green prep. But uh, it's right around the corner. Game week's next week. And, uh, you know, we're very excited around here. It's a lot of unknowns. That's the biggest thing. So uh, a lot of firsts, a lot of unknowns, and we'll see what happens. So it's, it's new for all of us. Absolutely. Brandon, I, so, yeah. Oh, sorry. Uh, so, obviously, new coach this year. You are a uh, a leader on the team. What are you, a super senior? Super, super Su senior. Super, super senior. Super, super senior. So, you know, you've been around for a while, and uh, you know, a lot of people look at you as a leader on this team. As I mentioned, tell us a little bit about that transition coming in with a a, a new coach this off season. You know, we've seen the videos on Twitter and all the. The, the dressing up in the weight room, the, the games on the field, it, it genuinely looks like y'all are having just a righteous time getting out there playing football. Yeah, it's a totally different experience from what I'm used to previously. Um, as Ed just mentioned, uh, we have like a 55% scholarship turnover right now. Um, so anytime he has a leader, that's, that's a red flag because you have a lot of work to do. So um, it was definitely difficult at first. Um, had a lot of guys leave um in december and in may so a lot of new guys coming in and i would say the number one thing where we prioritized was building the culture and building relationships because um if you don't know the guy next to you you're not going to want to play for him so they did a lot of stuff that was fun uh incorporated that into the workouts and the lifts and stuff um but they did a great job getting us together off the field also we did a lot of events as a team uh, there's a lot of new guys a lot of new names a lot of new numbers and everyone's new so uh, at the end of the day, it's all about building relationships, and that was the number one priority that they put in for us. Yeah, Brendan, I'd be curious, too, talking about that roster transition and what you guys are dealing with in that. The big C is always chemistry, right, when you're talking about teamwork and, and how to put that together. And we've obviously kind of beat this horse a little bit, but it's true. I mean, a 50% roster turn, turnover or something like that. 
Um, what do you think in regards to, obviously, you almost have two separate themes. You've got the culture theme that you're talking about where you guys are having to build this camaraderie, get used to each other, learn names and <laughs> hometowns and sometimes positions. But then also the actually actually the the football side of things, which which do you feel like is kind of outpacing the other? I know they're they're sort of obviously going at the same time, but how important is the culture piece along with the uh, with the prep piece of of obviously the day to day operations? Well, truthfully, they go hand in hand. Um, you know, you kind of learn about a guy as you practice with them because you're talking on the sidelines and stuff. So they've been going at a pretty even pace. Um, but yeah, it's it's insane to sit here and look at across the field and recognize that, I mean, half the guys you're with are guys that you didn't play with before. So as I said, the theme of right now, week zero is unknowns, building relationships and kind of throwing a bunch of ingredients in a pot and seeing what we can make as fast as possible. It's what it is. So it's kind of like a Food Network show is what it feels like. Um, but at the end of the day, um, that's our focus. And I think with that being the focus, we can continue to build that. Brendan, love the hat, man. R.T. Rogers, uh, we're so pleased to have the, them uh, supporting us again. I think this is either the second or the third year. But, third year. Uh, yeah, third year. Okay, awesome. Uh, could you give us uh, a little bit more background into uh, R.T. Rogers and who they are and, and how uh, the listeners can uh, support them, a fellow uh, Liberty alums? Yes, yeah, so Greg Rogers uh, over at R.T. Rogers, Liberty alum, as John mentioned. Uh, they're based out of southern West Virginia. Um, and they deliver oil to many states around surrounding areas. Uh, they do a great job getting it fast and in difficult terrains. Um, and any oil needs, petroleum, all that stuff, just hit up Greg at rtrogers.com, uh, and they'll get you squared away. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks, uh, Brendan. So uh, tell us about, you talked about all the new faces and, and unfortunately, obviously, as we, as we mentioned, you're kind of on the sidelines and coaching up some of the guys, but, but how's that offensive line coming together? A lot of new faces there, uh, some transfers, some, some even uh, true freshmen that, that seem like they, they're pushing for time in the two deep. Uh, how's that uh, group coming along? This is definitely the most interesting group I've had since I've been here. Cause I think we have three transfers, um, and then three young freshmen and then a couple walk-ons. So it's, it's a brand new group and I couldn't be more proud of how we've jailed. Uh, coach Dirk's done a great job bringing us together. Um, and having us towards that one common goal of being, you know, the toughest unit on the team. I think they hit a home run with these three young guys, these freshmen, uh, Austin Anderson, Aaron Fenimore, Cal Grubbs are all going to be phenomenal players. Probably the most developed group I've seen since I've been here, um, so far. And they're all going to be fighting for playing time as young guys. So uh, those guys are doing great. Jordan White has been incredible at center. He's come in and he started to run the show, and he's, he's gotten better every single day. Um, Jack Tucker and Xavier Gray, both guys are just killing it out of tackle. And I think, you know, especially with the triple option, it's a lot of running, a lot of uh, blocks that matter on the perimeter. And just to see we're a very athletic group, so to see him get out in space, block the corners, block the linebackers, uh, it's going to be a fun year. It's going to definitely be a lot of plays that – you know, the fans haven't seen before out of our offense and on the field. So going to be keeping an eye out for that. It'll be fun. So, babe, you know, we, we you didn't see on Twitter, there was a picture floating around of uh, him holding a clipboard, doing some coaching. What are we thinking? You know, I know there's some wedding bells coming up in January. You getting that coaching bug? You getting that coaching itch? What do you think? I, I'm enjoying it while it lasts, but uh, that's not the plan <laughs> long term. 
Uh, I can respect that. So, B, again, thank you for having us. Not going to cut away just yet. Uh, we've been seeing people, you know, throwing comments on Facebook, YouTube. If you are watching, make sure you like and subscribe, whether, uh, again, you're on YouTube, Facebook. Follow us on X or Twitter, whatever we're going to call it. John yelled at me uh, <laughs> for call, calling it that uh, today. But uh, definitely check that out. Uh, it helps us, supports us, and you'll get alerts when all that comes. So, Jason, give us a little bit of insight, you know, into to, uh, the real estate game right now. It's been a while since our last update. Give us a little bit of a, a breakdown. What's, what's real estate look like in Lynchburg on the surrounding areas? Yeah, one of the biggest things that's happened, it actually made national news, is the Lynchburg MLS got hacked, cyber attack or whatever the proper terminology is. And so we've been offline for about two weeks. So if you've been out there looking for houses and think that inventory is low, it's been low, but it's been because of the cyber attack. So um, breaking news, you heard it here first, but literally just about two hours ago, we went back online. So if you're in the market right now, um, should be a pretty good influx of inventory coming this way. Um, rates are higher than they've been in a while, you know, a little over 7% right now. So that's causing some people to pause. It's just different math. It just causes you to run some numbers a little bit differently, but still a very robust and strong market. And uh, I work uh, quite a bit in residential and commercial and would love to help anybody that I can. Thrilled to be back with Sierra Red for another year. Here we go. Yes. I, I, I can promise you, Jason, you know, I've, I've kind of flirted with the idea of my wife, like, hmm, what if we got a house in Lynchburg? And she was, no, no, not leaving Jersey. But I can assure you if I, uh, if we are able to, to, to pull the trigger, uh, you will be the guy. I need a house close to the stadium, uh, ideally within walking distance. And uh, well, I know you'll, hey, you'll uh, take, Rich, take good Richie, care of me. Richie, John and I have one word for you, taxes. <laughs> That's very true. Hey, J That's Jason, appreciate you so much uh, coming on and joining us for another season. Uh, as everybody watching, you can see his contact information for any of your uh, real estate needs and uh, appreciate you as well. Uh, also, Brendan, thanks so much for you, man. Uh, I know it's not easy coming on with you being injured and it'd be easy to, to pack it in if you want to do that, but appreciate you uh, joining us again. And he'll be back every week for the Live with 5-5 five five segment. So look, looking forward to that once again. Thank, thanks again, Brendan. Uh, Richie, what's up next? What we got? We have the man, the myth, the legend. Kyle DeArmond is going to be joining us. Uh, Kyle's done a little bit of everything about uh, within Liberty, and I don't want to bury the lead because I do want to have him kind of talk about his Liberty journey uh, when he gets on. But he is one of the Boca boys, uh, for those who were uh, in the know in the bowl game with us last year. We're excited to bring uh, Kyle and join us this evening. There he is. New microphone? What's up? Hey, We're nice chilling. shirt, man. <laughs> I missed the memo. No one told me about it. Uh, welcoming us. Shout out to uh, Steve Tuesday Ray evening. for the free shirt. How's it going? It's good, except I didn't get a free shirt. You didn't get this one sent to you? No. No. Wow. This no. came in the mail a while ago. I got to get on uh, producer Chad uh, for this one, but... Kyle, introduce yourself. You have been around Liberty for uh, for a while, different roles. Tell us a little bit about what you've done within the Liberty football program. Yeah, so obviously uh, played from 2006 to 2010, and that was awesome. Love that. Left for a couple of years, came back in a quality control role, did that for a few years. Then under Turner Gill, got promoted to wide receivers coach. 
stayed on with Hugh Freeze when he came in um, and on board and that in that transition, which was which was a lot different. Uh, it was interesting to say the least. And then uh, went over and worked with the quarterbacks for a few years and enjoyed that time and then felt like, hey, it's time to get out of coaching. So got out and now I'm uh, just a fan. It's awesome. Hey, Kyle, uh, as a coach and as a player, you've been on that side of it when there's been a coaching change. And, uh, you know, so you kind of know what these uh, players are going through. What, what's it been like for them the last, you know, eight months or so as they've gone through this coaching change? Uh, those of them that have stuck around, obviously, we know there's been, you know, 50 percent roster turnover or, or what may be. Uh, but what's it been like for them going through this change, going through spring ball, the summer workout program and and training camp? And, and now as they're getting ready to to get up onto you know, a week, week and a half until uh, the season starts. Yeah, I, uh, I I think of it like, you know, the trend right now is the uh, cold, cold tubs. It's basically like the transition is jumping into a cold tub every morning, first thing, and that initial shock of just like, whoa, it's cold. And then it takes a little bit to get used to it. Um, that is what it was like going from Turner Gill to Hugh Freeze. It was a cold tub every day of just, it was a whirlwind. It was a tornado that came through. So it's a lot of, I mean, it's a lot, it's a big transition. That's why you see a lot of guys leave um, because they're just, they don't want to change. They want to stick with the old because um, every single coach is different. You know, nobody runs a program the same way. And I think the only time you kind of get a smooth, easy transition is when it's a, uh, maybe an offensive coordinator or somebody from the, somebody from the staff that, that takes over. But when it's somebody new and a complete new staff, like it is with Jamie Chadwell, I mean, you know, not really anybody uh, retained at all. Um, and even if you look all the way down uh, support staff wise recruiting, you know, there's a couple of people in recruiting that are still there, but you know, people, I think, you know, like Matt Bevins, Matt Bevins is at Auburn now. And, and Matt was a kind of a cornerstone to that program, just the consistency. Um, and so when that happens and that leaves, it is a big, big transition and a big change. So, I know it's been difficult, but it, what it also does is it allows those guys who may were uh, not looked at as a, a player for under Hugh Freeze to really step up and have the opportunity to perform during spring um, and to say, hey, I can play and maybe this offense fits me better than the previous one did. And now I got a shot. So I think I think some guys, you know, the, pe the people that stick around, uh, they obviously have stuck around because they've enjoyed it. But I'm sure that there's, you know. There's different opinions too. Oh, absolutely. You know, I want you to put your coaching hat on for a second, Kyle. Uh, so you are a staff member at Liberty. It's your first year. What do you want to see the first couple weeks of the season? What are some of those minute details, you know, as a fan that we might not realize, what are you looking for as a coach? You go, all right, we're, we're moving in the right direction. We got something going here with all the new stuff going on. Yeah, I think I think first and foremost, it's just guys knowing what to do, lining up correctly, running the right play, because when you install it in spring, you're going against your defense. And so you those guys on offense have yet to go against another defense that they haven't seen for, you know, 16 practices during the spring and then, you know, three, four weeks during the fall. And so just the opportunity to line up and play against somebody else as a coach, you want to see them come out and execute and 
uh, whatever has been installed that they know it like the back of their hand and they can go out and they can run it on offense and defense. And then you want to see them play hard. You want to see what it's like when the lights turn on. Uh, everybody can be a big man when it's practice time, but when those lights turn on and those cameras are on and there's people in the stands, um, you either bend or you, you, you know, you, you, you do it and you do it at a high level or you break and you, you don't, perform so i think that the coaching staff is probably looking at the guys to say all right who's who's that dog that when the lights turn on this guy's a player um so i think those are a few things kyle you've been on uh the sidelines and even on the field uh in some battles when coach chadwell and this staff was on the other side right like charleston southern and coastal carolina uh obviously shout out Cure Bowl, uh, always got that win 2020. Uh, we'll always uh, enjoy that and, and take that one over the current coaching staff. But uh, how, how different is it? How, how weird is it uh, for them to, to now be in the Liberty red and blue? Uh, how much of a transition will it be for you when, when you see Coach Chadwell and, and Coach Willie Korn and some of the other guys that, that you're familiar with uh, when, when they're on the TV and, and talking Liberty and, uh, is that going to be a tough transition or is that something you've already made and you're on board and ready to go? No, I think I'm, I mean, it, it's, it's, it is what it is. I mean, it was different at first when they jumped and, you know, and they became fans, but I think that now we, you know, we're all, you know, we're all used to seeing Jamie Chadwell in that red, white, and blue and, and that staff in the red, white, and blue. So I'm all on board with them. And I think that uh, that they are all Liberty all the time, which is what we say. And it's fun to see them tweet out flames and start to try something new for the fan base. And so I'm all on board because I think that they are too. I don't think that this doesn't really feel like a stepping stone for Jamie Chadwell. It feels like something that he really enjoys somewhere that he enjoys being. And it seems like the the support staff and the the assistant coaches are just really really thankful to be at Liberty and for all the things that are provided to them, and so that is really fun to see. It's not something like this is nice, but or anything like that. This it's like hey, we we love being here and we love everything that we're able to uh, to have, and so that's that's awesome to see. And so I'm a fan. I'm I'm supporting them behind them 100. percent it's funny, you know, uh, the three of us, we got a chance to tour the football facility. Uh, and when we were on that tour, I was very surprised to see in the operation center the Cure Bowl trophy from uh, 2021 that was still there. They weren't sure what they were going to do with it. but uh, you, made a, you made sure to mention that, there. too. Oh, uh, yeah. They were adamantly like, yeah, we don't know if this is going to stay. But uh, it was cool <laughs> to see that uh, – they still have that there. So, Kyle, we've been trying to ask everyone, what are your expectations? What are you expecting? What are you thinking about this season when it comes to the Flames? Man, I I obviously have high expectations for them based on the schedule. Um, you know, thinking about thinking about in the past, I'm I'm, I'm thinking as a as a former coach and former player of like, man, the players that we did have on our team and how good we were and what we were you know the teams that we were playing and beating compared to the teams that we now have on the schedule you look at the schedule and you're like we should go undefeated I don't think that's realistic like as fans we need to be a realistic realizing like this is a completely new staff like you guys have said earlier I mean 50% new roster we they put pictures up online you know of practice and I'm like who is that who is that who is that I have no idea who these kids are and I am 
you know, now two seasons removed from being with them every single day. So I think the expectations need to be realistic. Should we, we should win the games. We should put ourselves in an opportunity to win every single game that we play on that, on that schedule. We should, if, if our guys are prepared as I expect them to be um, based on talent, based on who we have on defense, um, I think that we should be able to, to win every game or at least put ourselves in position to win every game. Will that happen? Maybe, maybe not. I hope so. That would be awesome. Uh, but I think, you know, my expectations are a, a little bumpy. Uh, there might be a little bump in the road a couple times. The offense might look like, what are we doing? Defense might have some miscues, but that happens with new staffs. That happens with new coaches. Um, Hugh Freeze's first year, Jamie Chadwell's first year at Coastal Carolina. It's just, it, it's part of it. Now, now with the transfer portal and with, you know, a good recruiting class, that could be different. So, I mean, I have high expectations for them, but I'm going to also be realistic about it and not be, uh, I'm not going to be, you know, firing off tweets to the coaching staff, telling them how bad they, they stink because we're losing games that I think we should win. That's, that's yeah. them to do. And I hope that our fans are realistic and excited for the season, but don't go bananas on Twitter because you think you could do better than Jamie Chadwell or Willie Korn or any of those guys. So just relax a little bit. Yeah, I think that's the main thing is just having some patience, giving these guys, uh, you know, some some runway, you know, to to figure things out, figure out where all the pieces uh, go, and, and that sort of thing. And and uh, that's one thing that I'm I'm telling myself is just give them some grace the first few weeks and whatnot. Kyle, uh, one one question I got for you, and switching gears a little bit, uh, Demario Douglas. I mean, you were on staff when he was at Liberty, and and uh, made made defenders look silly most weeks. Um, you've obviously seen what he's been doing in, in new England. And they're talking about, you know, he's a lock to make the 53 man roster and, and may even have some, uh, special uh, packages for him and, and whatnot. And, in the offense there, um, you know, m maybe what's, what's the best DeMario story you may have from, from your time at Liberty or, uh, when did you first know that, that this was a guy that had that level of talent where he could play at the NFL level? And are you at all surprised at what he's been doing uh, so far in camp for the, for the Patriots. Yeah. So my, my first experience was with DeMario was watching him watching high school film, his high school huddle back in 2018. Um, we were looking for a slot and we were, you know, recruited Florida heavily and this small light, slot out of Jacksonville was just destroying people and he was playing at the highest level in in Florida and he was playing on a really good team and not only was he playing on the inside he was playing on the outside so he was going against you know division one corners that were in high school at the time but playing on the outside and winning jump balls that was like the biggest thing that I saw him and I was like how tall how tall is he and Joe Daly and myself like watched him over and over and over again. And we were like, man, this guy can ball. And then uh, Coach Daly was down in Jacksonville and went and watched him play. And DeMario told him before the game, he was like, how many touchdowns do you want or something like that? You know, and Coach Daly said, I don't know, two, three back to him or something. And he did it. I mean, he took like a, an RPO slant and went – to the house and then looked back and pointed at, at coach Daly. Um, and 
you know, I think that the special thing about DeMario and, and the recruiting process with him was just, you know, his family that supported him was awesome. Um, you know, he was living with his grandma at the time and going to her house and in-home visits was just so fun. This was a kid that was just so hungry to be great. He worked so hard and he wanted to be able to provide for his family through the game of football. There was no plan B and there is no plan B for DeMario Douglas. So am I surprised that he's doing what he's doing? Absolutely not, because when we saw him in high school, he was doing the exact same thing against bigger players. When he got here to Liberty, you know, he was hungry to learn. Coach Harris did a great job developing him. He fit perfectly into the offense that we were running, and he was just hungry to be great. He worked with Coach Dom and got super strong. I mean, you know, going into that last year, senior year, he really added uh, a ton of muscle. And so he's just, um, you know, I, I totally expect that from him, and I'm super excited for him that he's been given the opportunity that he has and kind of gone into a system that fits him perfectly and just wish all the best for him because he's earned it and he's worked for it. That's awesome. Thanks for that insight, man. I, I, I know that's got to be fun to watch guy that you uh, pretty much lived with for several years and recruited and everything and, and seeing him be able to excel at that level. I can't wait to watch him, wait to watch him on uh, Sundays, but Kyle, Hey man, I appreciate you uh, joining us uh, tonight. I know you'll be uh, back on frequently throughout the year. Uh, Oh, what, yeah. what are you doing now? You're you're out of uh you're out of coaching now. What you doing now? No, no still still uh same same as same thing as last year. You know, doing business development. Uh, but now the difference in last year and this year is that we've moved to Texas. So we're in Houston, Texas. So any uh Houston, Texas Liberty Flames fans, uh, hit me up so I can I know who to watch. I know who to watch some games with, but. Now we're down here in Houston and, and loving it. My son has just turned one uh, a couple months ago. And so having a good time and excited to uh, watch the Flames this year. And it'll be interesting, you know, in the coming years, going to Sam Houston and going to La Tech and, and going to some of those games that are, are drivable for me from Houston. It'll be interesting going and uh, watching them on the road, but excited for excited for the season. Yeah, awesome. I'm, I'm sure those road games won't be anything like the Boca Bowl, so – no, 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 not of course not. But I can't. I mean, hey, that's the goal. The you talk about what's the expectations? The expectations are for the Flames to win six, and we can run it back. Let's do it. All right, thanks, Kyle. Appreciate you, man. We'll we'll get you soon. Uh, all right, thanks, man. All right, Richie. I think next we got uh, Joe Yock ready to go. Pickleball legend. What's going on, boys? Hey oh, Joe, what's, going what, on, Joe? What's, up, what's up, man? Oh, you driving too? Don't, now, don't wreck on us. Oh no, we got this. Is too easy, baby. Give me something hard. This is easy. <laughs> Fresh off the pickleball court, too, huh? I uh, know. I missed. I'm, I actually missed tonight because I'm driving. I'm driving. I'm supposed to be on a flight this morning at six thirty. Got canceled. And long story short, I got to rent a car and I'm driving back from Fort Wayne, Indiana, right now. Went out to see my son who coaches basketball out there at Huntington University. So. I'm about 40, 30 minutes away from, from being back at the courts. The boys should still be there getting ready to finish up playing pickleball and getting ready to head to head to have a good meal. So hopefully I'll get back in time to see them. All right. Well, Joe, let's jump into it. You know, you are uh, one of the voices of the. We hold before that. Is that, is that Ricky Longshots, baby? Yeah, it's Ricky Longshots. How are you doing, Joe? Ricky Longshots, baby. Yeah. I got, I got a promotion. 
Yeah, that's crazy stuff, right? Chad, you went, Chad, you went out and got the real deal Richie Longshots. No, now it. you got me out. I'm fired up now. Uh, so, Joe, uh, for those who don't know, you are one of the voices of the it. Liberty love Football it. Podcast. You got for me, Richie. I'm, I'm, I'm getting you, Joe. Uh, Joe is one of the voices of the uh, Liberty Football Podcast with Emily Austin earlier. And for those who don't know, Joe played wide receiver in college. Joe, we're a little thin at wide receiver right now. You got any years of eligibility left? You know what? I'll tell you what, Richie. I ain't no spring chicken anymore. And my my post-corner route just isn't quite what it used to be. So I'll give you one play in the red zone. And after that, cutting it off i'll win a that's deal we need that for you that's all i can give you perfect so but <laughs> a lot uh, you know we've we've talked about it a lot today already about the new players uh the new offense you know tell us a little bit what is that offense going to look like you mentioned it before hugh freeze a lot of you know deep balls over the top spread offense you know running backs maybe in the draw or in the screen what's this going to look like this year yeah, I mean, it's going to be a lot different. I mean, I think what, what made Coastal, what makes Jamie Chadwell different is that it's such a blended offense that not a lot of people run. I had the opportunity to, to sit down with Willie Korn, the offensive coordinator, quarterback coach, and and he really, you know, we sort of dove into the offense. It's, it's stuff that is – it's good. It's really good, and I think it's really hard to defend because I, I think what happened is you have this RPO game. You know, everybody's doing a lot of the same stuff. So defenses over time, you know, they're, they're always playing catch-up when you have these new, you know, new types of offenses that show up. But a lot of people run the same stuff. So defenses over time are able to catch up. I think where Jamie's had success is he's just unique, and I think he blends the triple option with the, you know, the RPO game and having a quarterback that can beat you with his legs, but also beat you through the air. And um, it, it, it's unique and it's extremely hard to defend because not a lot of teams run it. So when you go into a week of preparation, you're preparing for something that you're not used to seeing. And uh, it's, it's going to be a, I think early on, Liberty's going to try to run the ball a lot. I, I, I think they're going to, they know at quarterback they're going to have to manage the game and not turn it over. Uh, I think they'll probably stay away from too many RPOs just because teams can force you to throw the ball, which they may want to do and try to force them into mistakes. Uh, but you're going to have to be paid. As a Liberty fan, I'll tell you this right now. I know everybody's excited about Jamie. Everybody's excited about the new team, the new staff. But there's a lot of new faces, as you guys know better for that to gel and so oh, i no. think did we lose him no he's back yeah i'm sorry yeah i just said it's going to take time for those guys to gel and i think it's one of those things that i've been saying for a long time now is like you got to survive some early games if you can play good defense and survive some early games and you give the offense time to gel figure out the quarterback position have some receivers step up they're really really solid at the running back position there's a lot of young talent there um and then, uh, you know, the offensive line coach, Turks has got a job ahead of him. With the offensive line to get those guys to gel. You know, you lost lost uh, Schlittler to injury, and that's going to hurt them, obviously. Uh, but they gel. 
I think they'll get rolling just because it's so hard to defend. Joe, uh, looking at – I don't want to overlook the Bowling Green game. Obviously, that's uh, week one, opening game, opening week. The team's preparing for them already. But I believe you guys, Matt and uh, Emily, and, and you get to uh, call week two against uh, New Mexico State. I know you're a big uh, Diego Pavia fan, and, and we all remember the last time we got to see Liberty in Williams Stadium against that New Mexico State team. Uh, how worried should Liberty be about, about that game, about the Aggies week two? Yeah, I mean, I think I think Diego Pavi is that one again, one of those guys. I remember when we started the broadcast and Matt came out and said, "Oh, this guy, his favorite football player is Johnny Manziel," and I went, "Oh, okay." So, oh, is this guy trying to model his game after Johnny Manziel? And that's exactly, you know, a unique circumstance with just finding out right before the game that could. Coach Reese leaving to go to Auburn. I, you know, I think he lost the kids there after, after you know that announcement or that sort of got out, uh, broke on ESPN. But you know, that's going to be Jerry Kill is a great coach, and that get that that guy has, has has rebuilt programs and he does it very systematically. He's got good talent there. They're well coached football team. New Mexico State is a team that Liberty. Definitely cannot overlook an ex- I'm with you, Joe. Uh, so, Joe, running through some uh, service issues. We're going to let him go. Uh, he is driving right now, going to see his kids. Safe travels, Joe. Thank you so much for coming on. We will absolutely be in touch during the season. Joe's the man. I appreciate Joe coming on so much. Uh, he's a lot of fun. I, I enjoy watching him and and uh, like we talked about earlier, Emily and uh, and Matt as well in the Flame Central podcast. And Joe's the hype beast, uh, Alcover Mortgage guy. So uh, be be sure to uh, uh, give him a shout out if you need any of uh, his mortgage services. But appreciate you coming on, Joe. Yeah, circle circle of trust forever. All right. What's good, guys? How are we doing? CT, what's up, man? Not much, not much. It's uh, We're going to have to get some of those videos of Richie off at some point, but uh, yeah, it's, we're doing well. You can be in a for a uh, incriminating. You're going to be in for uh, week one. We can get some uh, videos of you, huh? Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to be able to make it for week one, but we'll absolutely uh, got to do that at some point. Yeah, excited um, to have you, CT. I had an awful yeah. year last year, under 500. <laughs> Um, and again, I got, I got pulled. They said, we got to get this guy out of here. We're bringing in CT. CT, for those who don't know, you want to tell them what it stands for? Uh, yeah, my name is Christian Taylor. And what's it say underneath your name? Cashing tickets. Cashing <laughs> tickets. Let's go. So we got week zero. I'm excited because it's college football. Couldn't care less. Give, give us your card. What do you like? Yeah, absolutely. We'll jump right into it. First of all, um, Richie, it's amazing to have you as host. Um, I know, as you said, you kind of got kicked off after going less than 50%. I know you celebrated just breaking 50%, um, mm-hmm. but we're going to hopefully do better than that this year uh, because 50% is still losing money. Um, so that being the case, 
hopefully I'm, I'm not the same entertainment that you bring, um, but hopefully we can solve some solid advice. So um, we'll jump right into these. Um, and what I'm going to try to do each week, I do want to kind of have a couple of rules that I kind of try to follow and, and go by. And, and so we'll jump right into those and they'll influence some of these picks. Um, so rule number one, right off the bat, um, when we're looking at things, we don't look at teams. We look at the lines and then we have some football knowledge that we sprinkle it in. Um, and so basically we know that whoever's making these lines, they probably know more than us. And so we can use that to our advantage as opposed to just trying to come up with things out of thin air because we think we know it all. Um, and so that's what we definitely want to try to do. And then rule number two right on top of it is that line movement is important. So what percentage um, of bets are on a team? What percentage of the money? Who's public? Who's not? Those are all things that we can use to really just um, get a piece, uh, piece together the puzzle, essentially. Um, so that being the case, if you guys want to pull up the screen, we'll move on to the picks. So first of all, first game of the season, we have to take it. Um, I also like the value here. So it's Navy against Notre Dame, um, in Ireland, I guess you could say at Notre Dame, but it is in Ireland, uh, two 30 on Saturday. Um, so first game of the season, I actually like Navy with the points here. Um, so Navy plus 20 and a half. And so the reason for it, first of all, Rule number three, when a service academy is a dog uh, by more than two touchdowns, take them in the points every single time. Um, generally speaking, they're going to hit because those triple option service academy teams, what do they do? They limit possessions. They run the clock. They run the clock and they keep things closer. Um, it's a lot. They keep things a lot closer than like a bad air raid offense. That's just going to give up the ball really quickly. Looking at FIU, we'll talk about them later. Um, so, again, are, are they going to hit 100% of the time? No, but it's consistent, and nothing is going to hit 100% of the time. CT, can I just mention, um, mm -hmm. with the new rules in college football, clock's going to be running a lot more. So, with a team yeah. that is running the ball a lot, they're definitely going to keep it a lot closer. That's, that's a great point. That's such a great point as well. Um, that being the case, when we look at it from a football perspective as well, I think that's even – better. Um, I don't think Navy's going to win the game, but Notre Dame, they have a new offensive coordinator. They have a new quarterback, Sam Hartman. We all know him from Wake last year. Richie, you know him well. Um, but I think they're going to have a solid season, but it's a lot of pieces to put together right away. On the flip side, Navy, they have their offense. It is the triple option. It is a little bit different this year. They're bringing in Kennesaw's um, version of it, which we know as well from the end of the Big South days. Um, but uh, they're also returning like 80% of their offensive line snaps, 85% of their rushing yards. Like they are bringing a lot back and Notre Dame is bringing back 50% of their defense and less than that. Um, so that being the case, I think Navy can at least keep it close. I'm not, again, I'm not saying they're going to win, but I think we can have a decently low scoring game where Navy keeps it within two touchdowns or so. No, I agree. I think it's going to be a fun game. The fact that it's going to be in Dublin, it's going to be an electric uh, atmosphere for certain. Game two, Game two. Defending, Heisman, defending Heisman Trophy winner. Yep. An interesting one. I, I, I got a take for this game, but go ahead. Yeah, it's yeah. So it, it, is, it is Caleb Williams defending Heisman. He's not going to win the Heisman again. Let's just get that out there now. Um, voting fatigue every single year at this point. Um, but this offense is still really high-powered. Um, and USC is a massive favorite, over four touchdowns, 30 and a half points, but 
I do have the over in this game. So I'll touch on why it's over 64 and a half. Um, Looking at the football side of things, USC, they averaged seven yards per play last year, top 10 in the nation. Um, Again, they're returning everything. They also, if you look at the first game of the last year, they beat Rice 66 to 14. So a lot of these power five teams in their first game of the season against a small G5, they take it nice and easy. But first of all, USC has this precedence that they don't. Second of all, all of their offense is still the same. So there's no reason for them to keep it vanilla because there's film on them already. So I think USC is going to be rolling. I like their team total. It's 48 and a half as well. But the reason why I have this over is because I do like San Jose State to score as well. Um, So their quarterback, I'm going to try to pronounce his name. It's Siobhan Cordero. He's a top two or three quarterback in the Mountain West. Um, Last year, he had 3,000 yards passing. He had over 30 touchdowns between passing and rushing. So um, dude is electric. And USC's defense is a massive liability. Um, So they were around 120th in the nation and yards allowed per play and points per game last year. Um, I do think they're going to improve a little bit, but they are still a massive liability. And part of the reason why Caleb Williams puts up those massive numbers. Um, So that being the case, I think San Jose state should be clearing 20 points. I can see them 21, 24, 28, somewhere in there. Um, So if that is the case, I think that over is going to be a breeze. CT, I'm interested in uh, your third pick here, a Conference USA mm-hmm. game, uh, Louisiana Tech, FIU. Uh, Louisiana Tech, 10.5-point uh, favor. When I first saw that line, I thought it was a little high, but but you're taking uh, uh, the Bulldogs. Yeah, and it, I think that line is high for a reason. Um, so when there, when you think about common football numbers, let's like three for a field goal, seven touchdown, 10, 14, anywhere in there, those are really key. And so when you see a number, when you have to lay 10 and a half points like that, I feel like your instinct would be, I don't like to be, I don't want to be on that side of the, that, the number where I need 11. Let me just side with the dog. And I think that's done on purpose because the lines makers think that Louisiana Tech is going to roll in this game and they're trying to trap you into being an FIU fan. Um, so from a line perspective, I already like Louisiana uh, Tech. Now, from a football perspective, FIU, extremely aggressive. Um, they're top 10 in the nation in terms of how much they're going for it on fourth down and fourth down in their opponent territory. Um, what happened because of that last year? So they went four and eight last year. They won four games. That's great. But in the eight games they lost, they lost by an average of 33 points. So they're boomer bust, essentially. Um, on top of that, they're starting running back, running back towards ACL. Two of their O-line starters transferred out. Um, so not good signs. Um, and that, like it's, they were an okay team last year. But again, when they lose, it is bad. When you look at Louisiana Tech, they return most of their offensive line. Um, their transfer quarterback is from... Uh, a school that we won't mention. They are blue and they are in the Mountain West. He is okay. Um, He's not great, but they also, their running backs are great. They have a transfer from Baylor. Um, They look really good there. I think they're going to be top half of the Conference USA. Um, So that being the case, could FIU win this game? Sure. But if Louisiana Tech does win, they're going to win big. 
So that's going to take, that's what I'm going to take on this play. I'm going to take uh, the 10 and a half uh, because of that line read as well. I don't hate if you take FIU money line, but do not take FIU plus 10 and a half. There's all our picks. I couldn't, I couldn't fully retire. I had to give some, he, he sent it to me. I went, yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll slap some picks together. Um, I got to go with my, my favorite pick of the week. Um, it is my boy, Diego Pavia against UMass over 44 and a half. Pavia is going to have seven touchdowns himself. And you know, UMass is going to trickle in a couple touchdowns. I love it. I love the over. Uh, I'm stuck. I got a work obligation until like three o'clock on Saturday. So I'm going to miss the start of the game, but I'm thrilled. Seven o'clock. I'm going to be just settled in. Uh, give me the points. Points, points, points. My favorite, uh, my, my favorite game here. We won't go through them all. You can see them there on the screen, but uh, that Jacksonville State UTEP game. Uh, I'm really looking forward to that one. I, I think that I was surprised the line was was as close as it was. I thought UTEP would be over that three uh, point favorite mark, uh, but you know I'll take Jacksonville State on the money line. I think Jacksonville State and Sam Houston are two teams that I'm thinking early on in the season you're going to be able to get great values on them, and and I'm riding that train until they let me down. So uh, uh, give me the Gamecocks and the new uh, FCS. Uh, move up uh, in their home opener, Commerce USA opener, FBS opener. They got all the momentum. UTEP having to travel cross country. Uh, yeah, I'm going Jacksonville State there. I, I, lo- I love that pick. Richie, why do you like UTEP there? Uh, I just I kind of like UTEP this year. I was reading some uh, some of the summer college football magazines, and I just kind of like the vibe of Utah. Uh, I'm not Utah. UTEP. And I saw that you guys both went Jacksonville State, so I'm, you know what? I could get a uh, a quick point my way if it uh, goes towards UTEP. Yeah, I also fair. love their I love their stadium. I'm a sucker, guy. You know, this last year I'm a sucker. <laughs> I love their stadium. Probably nicest, one of the nicest in the country. So too bad this game isn't home for them. Yeah, and I just can't trust Rich Rod. Plain and simple. CT CT out of all these games, not the ones you've already uh, uh, picked. But what what's your favorite play out of these? Honestly, I do like Jacksonville State, but since you touched on that already, I am going to say Hawaii plus 17. Um, so it's a bit bold because they lost their the opener last year in Hawaii to Vandy, 63 to 10. Um, but they were just starting a completely new offense, and we they saw a vast improvement the last month of the season. Vandy has to rely on the run game a lot because the quarterback – has a lot of turnover issues, but their running back uh, was really good last year and he's gone. They have a true freshman that's starting. Um, So those things coupled with the fact that the line's only 17 when they lost by 53 last year at home, uh, I want Hawaii with the points. Makes sense. I wish I would have known all that before I took Vanderbilt, but as uh, JVP just said, I'm more of an emotion guy. CT's more of a stats guy. So I'm thinking exactly. we're going to uh, have a little bit more success on this portion, the investment portion of the a Sea of Red football podcast. So CT, any any final words? Um, only final thing is I'm going to say one bonus pick uh, for us, Liberty to win Conference USA at plus 250. Get it in now while you can. Ooh, I love it. Let's go. Confident. 
Confident. Exactly. Don't yep. don't bet against liberty. You'll get people tweeting at you saying <laughs> that you're a rat, and they'll be tweeting John. It's a whole big kitten caboodle. But that's neither here nor there. So CT, yeah, if there's we'll anything that I've Tuesday. learned from you. What was that? Yeah. So I said we'll see you next Tuesday. Looking forward to hopefully we're two and one, three and zero, oh, and uh, we can get some people out here tailing your picks and making a little bit of money. Yeah, no doubt. Let's get off uh, to the right start. Awesome. Thanks, CT. I think that's it. We got anyone else in the waiting room, Chad? No? I, I think we're good. We, we made it through, Richie. I, I, I don't have the stamina, man. I got I, I didn't get into my yeah. training camp uh, workouts and things. I, I, I got to, man, I got to build up, get back into the flow of things to, to sit through this. I don't know how Chad did it last year. This is a, this is a big-time job. Yeah, we're, and we're, we're, we're closing in on a, an hour and a half, so thank you so much to everyone that, that hung around. I'm so excited for this season. Uh, the entire fan base, I think, has grown so much over the last year. Uh, and a big part of it is the sea of red and a big part of it is, is Twitter and X and just a, a great platform for everyone to make fun of me for the shoes I'm going to be wearing uh, for the first week and, and argue over a bunch of pointless stuff. But that is going to be behind us now because football season is starting and I'm, I'm sure tomorrow is going to be quite, quite the fun day on Twitter. And, uh, we're looking forward to all of that. So John, any last words? No, I just want to say if you made it this far into the podcast, you're a diehard. You're you're true, uh, true uh, patriot of the uh, podcast. So so do us a favor, help us out, like the show, subscribe, share it with your friends, your mom, your brothers, your sisters, your girlfriends, all those things. Uh, it helps us out. Uh, it, it's more fun. The more people we have watching and commenting, the the better it is. So so be sure to like, subscribe, share it, all those things. But uh, other than that. I'm good, Richie. Appreciate it, man. Good job on uh, guiding us through uh, week zero of this show. We'll be back next week, right? Try my best. We will uh, see you next week. You know, as John said, definitely like and subscribe. We're going to be doing some giveaways, some uh, Sea of Red Club. We're going to do some T-shirts. We're going to be having fun, and then, uh, it's going to be for the people that are here joining us live. So, everyone, have a great week. Stay blessed. Stay hydrated. We'll see you next Tuesday. Thank you.